Welcome to Glow To It, a podcast sponsored by Lilyhouse Productions and hosted by me, Marco Drummond. Season 1, Episode 4, Glow To It. We learn how to stop worrying about how our life looks and start focusing on how it makes us feel. So let's get into it. Ask yourself, what'd you do if money weren't an object and you could do anything? This is a classic exercise that many people, and many people in the workforce or even not so, have experienced being asked this question. People discuss this question because of how impractical it is. Unfortunately, those people who don't think deeply enough don't understand the true concept of what the real question or the real point is. It's not to discover what you actually would do if you didn't have to worry about money, because that's not an actual reality that we face. It's about the essence of what you do and how you would incorporate that into your daily life. Is that vacations, traveling the world, a new job, maybe you move, or maybe it's just relaxing at home. It's to understand whether you value relaxation or accomplishments and what that means to you. And the side effect from doing this helps you to associate what you value and to understand how that value defines who you are. And so this is something that I tried to focus on in my life just recently, where about three years ago, I bounced off of all social media. And I learned from that experience after two years that what I was craving wasn't so much the brag of what's going on in my life, but that I was missing out on experiencing what my family and my friends and cousins and all the different family members that live around the world and seeing what they were doing and how they were experiencing life. And COVID during that time did not help. I was not able to see what was going on in their lives and experience the things that they were experiencing or wish them well because I had cut myself off from social media. And part of that came down to understanding the why. Why am I even on here? What are we, what is the purpose? What are we doing? And if, you know, I wasn't getting responses, I would almost be upset and hurt. Like, well, why didn't they, you know, why couldn't somebody have liked it? I know you saw it. I mean, you had to have seen it because... I liked your post. Why didn't you like mine? And so then it came down to just this like kind of showboating or a a lot of ego played into it. And I think that's one thing that people struggle with when identifying what things in their life are worth sharing and what experiences are worth presenting to others or sharing in those experiences. And once I figured out that a lot of it was just this kind of showboating and this, oh, look at me, I did this. And it really became distasteful to what I valued and what I saw other people valued. And it's a lot easier to go, oh, well, what do you know, what are they doing? Or why do they act like that? Or I couldn't do that because that's that's the negative realm. It's, it's a lot easier to do that, especially outward facing. But when we look at that internally and see that we're doing the same thing, you know, we're sharing our vacation photos. We're sharing that we're engaged. We're sharing that we had just had our 15th anniversary. And is that to celebrate that cause or is it to brag, you know, to others, to social media, to, um, and I guess intent's a good way to put this. It's what's the intent behind that? Is it to get another follower? Is it to get a hundred likes this week? Is it to blast on as many platforms as possible? And with that came down to understanding intent and value and limit ourselves from sharing things just because we're competing with society or we're competing with, um, you know, our old college friends because, oh, wow, they're traveling the world and they're on private jets. And I've got to share that because I've got to, you know, show that I'm also doing something. And it's, it's that fear of just being ordinary, but not extraordinary enough to share. 
And so a great way that I've kind of put myself in check from doing that is I created um, an album within my own phone that typically was just things that I favorited. It was the best experience or um, a shared experience with family and friends. It was photos that I could go back and look at and remember how I felt in that moment or that emotional space and not the ego, not the braggy, not the I'm in Nepal, so you should see this. And I noticed really quickly that once I switched from doing that and placing those photos more in a private section, that on the days where I am completely down or I'm just in my dark space and I don't know what to do to get out of it and it's gone on for maybe a couple days and I just know that, you know, I'm having a pity party, I'm in my shame spiral, I can open up that album and focus on the feeling that was expressed or experienced in those moments and not hyper fixate on, well, they're experiencing life and they're on vacation and they're doing this and I'm stuck here. It's being able to really focus on that emotional aspect of internalizing, okay, it's okay to be upset and it's okay to recognize that maybe I'm irritated that I'm not able to go to, oh, I don't know, Hawaii for 10 days because my coworker is. And instead of getting hung up on that and sharing on Facebook, a you know, a, a trip idea for 10 years down the road that has really nothing to do with what I'm currently doing. It's just to try to compete and to brag with, you know, our network that, we could do this or we could experience that because we can plan for it. Well, that's not really living in the moment either. That's not sharing what's going on now and the intent behind why we need to share that. It's looking at how we're living our life and what we want to share from that and associate that to a value, to the value of courtesy. That's one that I try to live my life by. So it means I try to volunteer and go to, you know, homeless shelters and help, you know, manage the shelters in the evenings during winter storms or pass out food at the Salvation Army or go work at the Knights of Columbus um, luncheon. It's things like that that exemplify the value that I feel is courtesy. But where the difference is, do we tag on Facebook or Twitter that we were there? Do we just, you know, share these things to brag to other people that we're such a good person? Or is it more valuable to only share maybe that photo of you listening to the unhoused talk about their experience? And maybe that's what you share to bring awareness to a fundraiser or another cause. That is more placement of value. When we share a photo like that, for instance, I know a lot of celebrities share photos where they go to Africa and pass out soccer balls and water bottles. And then what you don't see off camera is two minutes later, they're getting their, you know, Mercedes or Land Rover and head back to the airstrip and fly on their private jet home. And so it's that intent. What's the intent of sharing this to media and to my network? Is it to show that I'm living a life and that I have a life? Or is it to share the emotion of what that experience meant? And so a good one that I can give even more recently is I was invited to a um, film festival, the True False Film Festival in Columbia, Missouri, by a good friend of mine, Sebastian, and his mom. And my experience from that was there was two levels to it. One was I want to share, yes, I'm going to a film festival. And I'm very excited for this because it's something I've never done. It's a very new experience. And I'm with, you know, with these wonderful people who have already done this multiple times. And so I'm a rookie to it. And I want to share that the the value of being new to something and a new experience while at the same time, not posting every single movie I just went and saw with the review because now I'm a film critic. That That's where I knew that line was, was like, okay, great. Say you were there, but don't start criticizing. I'm like, you know everything. So the next step or the next level that I thought to that was then I share maybe one impactful film. 
the one that emotionally connected with me, the one where I was teared up in the theater, the one that I knew that the next day when I went to work, that was going to be the film that I talked about because it reminded me of the emotion of seeing it for the first time, what went on in the film and was relatable to either a previous experience or another story that this film helped me to recognize and even exemplify as I shared with others. And so um, we all know somebody that's had cancer. And so that was what this film was about. And being able to share that experience, I thought was way more valuable than just tagging in. I'm here at the red carpet theater. Let's go and actually place emotion to it. And I think that's what really separates us from focusing on how an experience makes us feel versus just worrying about are we sharing that experience so that our network knows that I have a life as well. So in conclusion with that point, I'd say make a special album on your phone just for happy moments. When you feel good and you're enjoying yourself or have some kind of revelation, just take a photo of whatever it is in front of you. However unworthy it is, even if it's not worthy of Instagram, just take the photo. When you look back at that seemingly random snapshot, you'll experience those feelings all over again of what you experienced in that moment. You'll see by contrast that the emotional difference between capturing the moment that matters to you and the moment that matters to other people. It's determining whether that moment matters to you Versus if it matters to other people. Is it Instagram worthy or is it you worthy? And so another realm that we can take this practice into place is in the professional world. Recently, I got asked to join a committee in hopes to provide support for our vendors at a statewide conference for my agency. And I already knew going into it that there was going to be a few conflicts. One, because my time was already being grabbed in so many different avenues. Two, my commitment was already being strained because of my emotional response to being asked to be on the committee. I knew that I had reservations, but I didn't share that with my supervisor before the first meeting. And three, we didn't have a set idea and understanding of our structure, who was in charge, what were the positions, what was this capacity going to look like, what was our responsibilities and tasks going to be associated with this, and how much time was this going to divert from other priorities and other tasks that I'm also required to still maintain while doing this committee. So knowing all that, I went into the first committee meeting a little hesitant in our process. You know, it's it's difficult to be a part of a team when you don't know the why. And so I joined, went to this meeting, and in the first conversations, we had some, some aggravant emotions. This is the easiest way I can put that. We didn't know exactly who was in charge. I had heard within about a week's period, three different people who were all on this committee. So I went in with my head on. I thought, you know what? Let me let me sit on the back burner on this one. I don't need to play a big role. I just want to sit on the committee, help where I can, and and not take on more than I know I can handle. Well, that went right out the window. Two minutes in, one of the uh, persons that were charged with overseeing this committee discussed, you know, who else has been on a committee? What other activities have you worked on? Any advice you can give? Because this person was unsure how to move forward. And so, mind you, the topic is vendors. I've worked multiple large-scale vendor events with the Chamber of Commerce and the World Trade Center, worked with uh, a lot of events in general. So I present to the group, you know, here's my experience. I've done this, this, and this, X, Y, and Z. I'd be more than happy to help associate whatever our tasks are to my experience and wherever I can be helpful, I'll be helpful. And in that, I suggested that we should provide a master list of vendors and then break that down between the committee members so that we're not cross-referencing or stepping on each other's toes with communicating to 
those vendors. And that, so right there, just where I said, and that, that's where I got cut off by one of the other gentlemen on the team. And so he immediately started with a very abrasive, no, that's not a good idea, and et cetera, here's why. And to his point was, we should all have one list, great, but only one person should communicate that list. And so I advocated for myself in that moment. One, because now I'm triggered because you just cut me off. Two, you started the sentence with no, like, no, you're an idiot. And so that's how I perceived that tonality. So now I am trying to keep composure and maintain my professionalism, even though I'm irritated. So I push back a little bit and say, well, what I was trying to say was if we disseminate this list by, you know, an aggregated amount to each person, then we know who is in contact with who. And then he interrupted me again. No, I think all communication should be for one person. That needs to be one person. So by that point, everyone in the room can definitely read the emotions. And I'm just like, you know what? Not my day to battle, not my day to, you know, sit on the hill and fight this one out. So I step back again. I retain composure and sit there quietly, which is really hard for me to do. So then one of the other team members pops up and says, hey, you know what? I think we should go through the list and validate some of this information because it's been two years since it's been updated. And so everybody I looked around kind of said, yeah, okay, I agree. You know, they're not in their head and this person's on the phone. They're not in the room. And so then this person says, well, I think we need to maybe separate the list out and divvy it up to everybody so that we can verify the information and check to see if those contacts are who they say they are. And so then I'm immediately like, okay, wait a minute. That's that's what I just said. That's what I was trying to point across. And this person, this other person kept cutting me off. So the aggravated gentleman pops up again and says, well, yeah, that's what I was saying. I think we should all have one person communicate. So not only was I not connecting to what he was saying, but neither was this person on the phone. So then I thought, you know what? I need to advocate again for myself because clearly this person was not listening, cut me off and did not let me finish my thought process. So I said again, hey, y'all, I wanted you to know what I was saying was we should divvy up this list to validate the information. Yes. Two, so that we're not on each other's toes. And we're not, you know, calling the same vendor. We don't want five different phone calls to the same person. They'll get aggravated. Three, I was trying to convey that this will split up and make the job easier. We don't have one person going through 500 people. And I said, this is what I was trying to say before I was cut off. And so now I've advocated for myself. I've kind of called them out a little bit and reinstilled like there's really no need for this, this passive aggressive hostility. We're, you know, supposedly we're all on the same team here, but the vibes were very off. I knew that this just was not going to be well because it was unstructured. And so it wasn't until after I went and spoke with my supervisor after that meeting where I felt, you know, very kind of out of place. I, I understood that this person, he did not want to hear my, you know, my experience or what I could do to support or what I've done in the past. He didn't want to take my recommendation. He just wanted to get his point across and wanted to be right. And so knowing that I, even after two times of pushing back and other people being just as, if not as confused as I was by his comments, it quickly became the, I need to know my capacity. Am I able to take on this other project as well as all my other normal tasks? Plus, I sit on another committee with our HR about team building. So do I want to take on, you know, multiple roles in different committees? And when I spoke with my supervisor, I found out that the confusion or the disconnect was who is in charge. This person that argued with me was told he was in charge. The person on the phone, they were told they were in charge. So it was, okay, if we've got multiple people thinking they're in charge over this committee, that means something more to them than to me. And I knew that. So that's why I took a seat back and sat on the back burner, just waiting, you know, 
to talk or to even give my opinion. And it was quickly reflected after that first meeting that I was not welcome. And part of that was I, my personal belief is that, you know, you're the youngest in the office. Shut up. What do you know? You, you don't know. And it's it's being in that combative situation that I had to understand if I go back I'm just as combative. I know I'm going to use all the wrong skills that our parents did not teach us. It's the, I'm going to argue with you till you're blue in the face because you're going to understand what I'm saying. And I knew that wasn't it. I knew that wasn't going to work. And I knew that was not the person that I wanted to be or that I wanted to show that I was. And so it kind of came back to, well, why am I on this committee? Why am I doing this? Is this just to check off my resume that I participated in this committee at work and to help blah, blah, blah? Was it to show off that I too was able to handle more on my plate than what I could. And so then I was like, wait a minute, no, let's let's step back even further. So I went to my boss and I, I met with my supervisor and I was like, yo, Dave, I'm not quite sure I'm a good fit for this committee. I've already got X, Y, and Z projects on my plate. I've now on this HR committee and I know that one's, you know, volunteer as well, but it's not as high priority as the spender committee for our conference. And so he, he kind of shook his head. He was like, okay, well, I, I understand that. So, you know, tell me more. So I, I go in and I tell him, here's how I felt with these comments that were made and the structure and not knowing who's in charge. And I hope that the team can, you know, work effectively together, but I don't understand my current role. So I don't know how to proceed. And if I'm already feeling this kind of neglected from the team because of this, then I don't see where I fit and why I need to be there. And he was like, well, I totally agree. He's like, if you think you need to resign, I, I support you and I, I validate and understand what you're saying. So I felt good about that conversation and where I kind of felt guilty after I sent the, you know, sorry team, I am resigning from this committee effective immediately. Best of luck and happy to support you the day of. But this was the guilt that I felt afterwards. Then it's like, okay, well now to them, it looks like I'm leaving and because I, I'm not a team player. And so then I started internalizing and over dramatizing their emotional response to what I was doing. So then I'm like, okay, now I'm even externalizing. This is ridiculous. Just focus on myself, the why and my capability and knowing that it's okay to step back and it's okay to tell your supervisor, I've got too much on my plate. I can't take this on as well, but also have the evidence theory to back that up. I can't say I'm very busy. And then an hour later, he walks in and I'm watching TikTok. Like that does not prove my point. So being able to step back and go, here's my capability. Here's what I know I can do and find the value to why I'm doing it. It's that role aspect with the value. I understand I need to be on it because I'm voluntold to be on it, but what value can I associate? And when I try to present my value to the team, and it met with some roadblocks or some incontental tone to that ability, then I know you get that feeling of unwanted. So then it's, well, then why am I here if I feel unwanted? And do I take the time to take these people aside and have one-on-ones or do I just go, you know what? That's a whole level of drama and a whole level of greater emotional capacity that I'm just not ready for. I, I'm not ready to sit at that table and voice that frustration or try to rework around how I'm going to respond to it when I did what I could do. I advocated for myself. I made my point across and I brought it back. I brought the attention back to that's what I just said. That is what I was presenting. And if this person would not have cut me off, we would have got to that same conclusion. And so I really appreciate having a supervisor who's able to let me vent and able to let me voice that I'm not just getting off this committee because I don't want to do the work. I would more than love to do the work. It's there's a lack of structure. I can't 
take on that capability. And the reasons to why I was, you know, agreeing to do it was more so to check off that box outward facing. Yes, I'm part of a team. Yes, I'm able to do all this work. And I'm so I'm a high capacity employee when really at the end of the day, it, it doesn't help your resume. It doesn't show that, you know, because you took on all these projects, that's great. You know, the question of quantity versus quality. And that's where I took it. It's it's the quality of work and the quality of interaction I knew I was supposed to provide and that I could provide because I know my potential and that I knew I wasn't going to go into that team as a team member. I was going to go in with an attitude and I was going to be irritated. And the while I was there, my mind was in 15 other places because I've got all this other stuff to do. And so I knew that my busy wasn't more important than their busy. But that my busy still meant that the quality of my output had to equal the quality of my input. And my input for this committee was not going to be there. And so that to me made me realize the value of identifying and focusing on how I felt in the moment and validating those feelings, but also being constructive in how I process them and help my mental state or help my professional development and going to my supervisor and going, Hey, I may be presenting weak right now, but here's why. And I need your support in allowing me to X, Y, and Z. And the fact that having somebody like that as a leader is is wonderful. So I commend uh, Dave. So if you're listening, Dave, uh, kudos to you. And so with that example provided, I want to go back to connecting the points together that when we learn how to stop worrying about how our life looks to others and instead focus on how it makes us feel, we place value in that moment and we place value on the skills and our capabilities and know that it's okay to take a step back and focus on ourselves or focus on our mental state. And so with that, I want to end with uh, Brianna Weiss saying that being truly at peace requires realizing that everything is for the best. Everything in your life does one of three things. It shows you who you are to yourself. It heals a part of yourself or it lets you enjoy the part of yourself that you don't realize you're seeing. If you adopt that perspective, then nothing is left to fear. Taking on the capabilities or understanding that our capacity is met and we need to take a step back, knowing that what we do and how we present ourselves isn't just as important to our network, but important to ourselves and ensuring that what we're doing or where we're placing ourselves and in what environment is value and how we work towards striving to be the better part of us and we glow to our highest potential. And that means being able to understand our own capability, our own capacity, and the reason why. Why are we joining that committee or why are we joining that team? Why are we forced to do something when we know that that's not true to ourselves, or we know that you have reservations and taking the time to realize that the feelings you're having need to be validated. And so with that comes with the stance of take a step back, breathe, analyze, and come up with a methodical, professional way to proceed forward or respond, or how do we ensure that the next space we're in, we're our true self and we're confident in it, we're comfortable in it, and that we're working towards a goal. Even if it's a goal of how I better present myself, how I better analyze my environment and my responses to that environment. And so this concludes this week's episode on Glow To It. If you'd like to make any further topic suggestions for the future, please email lilyhouseproductions at gmail.com. That's L-I-L-L-Y-H-O-U-S-E productions at gmail.com. Thank you and glow to it.